the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, once again, here's Pat. Josh McDowell, our guest in that first half hour, uh, talking about his book, Set Free to Choose Right. We stay in California. Uh, Matthew Kamink is with us, Assistant Professor of Christian Ethics at Fuller Theological Seminary and author of Christian Hospitality and Muslim Immigration in an Age of Fear. Uh, Matthew, a million thanks for joining me. I hope you're doing well. Oh, it's great to be here. Excited about the conversation. Uh, you're going to have to explain the background of this book and, and why it was important to write it. Absolutely. Well, uh, I'm a Christian political ethicist, so I'm interested in how Christians think ethically about political issues. And um, with the rise of Muslim immigration in Europe and the United States, uh, a lot of questions are being asked politically about how um, Western countries respond to our new Muslim neighbors. And I was quite struck by the fact that there wasn't a lot of Christian theologians or ethicists um, thinking about how Christian citizens should respond um, to all of these issues surrounding Muslim immigration. So that's what was behind the book. You open with the topic, the myth of multiculturalism. Uh, What does that mean? So a lot of um, discussions about uh, Muslim immigration tend to focus on uh, one of two perspectives. Very briefly, we'll call them more the right-wing perspective or the left-wing perspective. The right-wing perspective tends to focus on um, walls and restrictions, law and order, in response to Muslim immigration. And the left-wing, res- um, the left-wing response tends to focus on the language of openness, tolerance, and multiculturalism. And this book tries to um, note that while both sides have some very good points to make, uh, neither side really does a good job of responding holistically to the issue of Muslim immigration. <clears throat> so in this first chapter on uh, the myth of multiculturalism, I explain how both the right and the left are failing to deal with the issues of religious the deep issues of religious and cultural difference uh, in regards to Muslim immigration. And I look specifically at Europe, um, because Europe has been wrestling with this issue of Muslim immigration for a lot longer than the United States has. And I wanted to um, help American readers understand this issue by looking at what's happening in Europe. Uh, Now I want you to talk to us about, excuse me, marginalizing Islam. You do a whole chapter. Uh, What are you explaining here? Absolutely. So there I'm really talking about how both um, the right and the left see Muslims as a challenge uh, to be overcome, a problem to be solved, a question to be answered. Um, 
And so they use different methods to um, try to manage Muslims or try to fix Muslims uh, in a variety of different ways. Um, but they don't really reflect at all on how um, they need to change and how uh, they need to think differently uh, about issues of religious freedom. And so there in that chapter, I really look at the ways in which both the right and the left um, push Muslims to the edges and try to fix them rather than reflecting on how we live together. Now, we're going to move further along, and we're going to talk about the emergence of Christian pluralism. Uh, What is that about? Well, what that looks at is essentially saying, okay, if if the right, if the political right and the political left are getting it wrong, uh, what is a Christian alternative? In other words, how can Christians uh, think about this in more positive ways? Essentially, rather than thinking of um, Muslim immigration as a challenge for the Church or a problem for the Church, thinking about Muslim immigration as an opportunity for the Church, an opportunity to demonstrate um, the love and the hospitality of Jesus to their Muslim neighbors. So rather, instead of being sort of gripped by fear that Muslims are coming to take over or they're coming to attack us or um, take America away, looking at this historical moment as an opportunity. And so that chapter really opens up the rest of the book, which is an exploration of a Christian alternative response uh, to Muslim immigration. Now uh, we move to this topic, Kuiper's Deconstruction of Uniformity. Wow. Um, <laughs> what, what does all that mean? Yeah, so I'm an academic, so we use fancy words. But <laughs> this next section... This next section is really exploring um, a Christian uh, theologian and political philosopher who thought really hard about how Christians live alongside other religions and other worldviews. So he was really interested in this question of how do we treat non-Christians with justice? How do we defend their freedoms? Um, You know, Christians are very good at defending their own religious freedom and their own religious institutions. You know, we we Christians, we we defend our schools and our churches and our organizations um, with a great deal of energy. Um, But what Abraham Kuyper helps us to do, and this is really what those next three chapters uh, are about, so we can just kind of talk through all of them, is really um, how do Christians defend the religious freedom of people they disagree with? Um, how, do, how do they do that? So this book is not arguing that Islam and Christianity are the same thing. Um, it actually argues that, no, there are deep, deep differences between Christianity, Islam, secularism, liberalism, There are deep differences, and we should talk about those differences. But we should treat each other with justice, with freedom, um, uh, with hospitality. And so Abraham Kuyper, in that chapter, 
and in the next chapter, really argues that we have to respect the diversity of religions that are all around us, rather than trying to force them to assimilate into our Christianity. Um, that essentially, and he puts all of this into or under the kingship of Jesus Christ. So if Jesus is king over all these other worldviews and all these other religions, then that means Christians are not. So Christians cannot try and control all of these other religions and worldviews, um, because that is Christ's job. So that's what those chapters about Kuiper are really about. Matthew Kamink is our guest. Uh, his book, Christian Hospitality and Muslim Immigration in Age of Fear. By the way, who was Kuiper? Why is he important? Yeah, so Abraham Kuiper was a Christian politician and theologian. He was uh, the prime minister of the Netherlands um, about 100 years ago. And what he had was a very, very divided country. The country was divided into four groups, uh, Protestants, Catholics, Socialists, and Liberals. And these four groups were all sort of battling over who got to control the nation. They all wanted to take over the nation for their specific belief system. And so his writing comes out of that battle. And he made this argument that rather than trying to control the nation and control his neighbors, uh, Christ was calling him as the prime minister to seek justice for all of his neighbors, even though he deeply disagreed with them. So that's really Abraham Kuyper's unique witness to us uh, here in the United States, that um, Christianity is no longer in a position of power, um, but it's sort of alongside of a lot of other worldviews and religions. And so Abraham Kuyper offers us um, a really interesting vision of what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ in a very religiously diverse uh, nation. My guest is Matthew Kamink, and uh, he's with us from uh, Fuller Theological Seminary. Next topic is called Pluralism in Christ. Uh, what are you explaining to us here, Matthew? Well, um, here in this chapter, we're looking at Jesus. <laughs> and what does Jesus have to say about how we deal with difference? Um, and how we deal with difference that is sometimes scary, sometimes feels dangerous or fearful. Um, what does it mean to follow Jesus in a time... Uh, in an age of fear. You know, so much of our politics today is is driven by fear. So much of our political discussions are driven by fear um, and anxiety. And so in this chapter, I really dig into how Jesus dealt with people who came to attack him and came to kill him or who demonized him and sort of he, how he provides us with a model of how we uh, demonstrate hospitality with people who are different from us. And then we move on to pluralism and worship. Explain that one. 
Yeah. So what does Sunday morning, the experience of Sunday morning worship, have to do with how I relate to my Muslim neighbors? Um, in the grocery store, in my school, um, uh, and all around me. That's what that uh, chapter is really exploring. Essentially, how does Sunday morning train me uh, with a sort of posture of uh, courage, of love, of humility? How does Sunday morning remind me uh, who I am and what I've been created to do and be uh, in my neighborhood? Um, How does it prepare me to respond well? So that um, when a terrorist attack happens or when a controversy over a new mosque being built in my city, um, how does worship train me over time um, to to have a posture of um, strength and confidence and uh, generosity? towards uh, my Muslim neighbors. So that, 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 that chapter is really inter- interested in exploring how worship forms us uh, as citizens. Now, Matthew, I want you to explain pluralism and action. Yes, so that chapter really is the so what. So what do we do? Um, uh, what difference does this all make? So we, um, Muslims are moving into the United States at an, at an exponential rate. We have thousands of Muslims moving in, not only to cities, but into the suburbs and rural areas as well. And so many Christians are asking, what do I do? You know, we have refugees coming from Syria. Um, we're working next to Muslims. We're studying next to them. Uh, we're living next to them. So what do we do? So that one's concerned with action. And it provides a number of different models for churches and individuals to uh, reach out and to demonstrate the love of Jesus um, and um, to live the gospel uh, alongside their Muslim neighbors. So to see this truly as an opportunity. Um, when I was in the Netherlands doing this research, I came across a, a woman, a Christian woman, who had been ministering to refugees. And she said to me, I don't understand why Christians are so afraid of Muslims moving here. She said, I think that's totally wrong. She said, I think Muslims should be afraid to move here. And I said, why? And she said to me, um, she said, Muslims should be afraid to move here because Christians will love them so deeply that they will be tempted to convert. Matthew Kamick is our guest. More with Matthew right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. 
But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Ron Hutchcraft on being a legacy-minded man. Billy Graham said very wisely, when wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. When character is lost, all is lost. Men, find out how you can leave a legacy that will last past your lifetime at the Transform Conference, April 28th. Become the man God wants you to be. Learn how. Registration is $25. Conference locations and more information available at LegacyMindedMen.org. Hi, I'm Michelle Flowers, host of the new radio talk show, Michelle's Haven. As a victim advocate and a survivor, I've learned that the only way to truly break the cycle of abusive relationships is by knowing who you are in Christ. Michelle's Haven is a talk show that gives you a voice. We'll discuss topics to empower women and men on how to break the cycle of abuse by using their faith in God as a spiritual resource. Join me Sunday evenings at 6.30 p.m. here on The Word. Michelle's Haven, come get empowered. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Matthew Kamick is our guest from Fuller Theological Seminary in California. Uh, His book is called Christian Hospitality and Muslim Immigration in an Age of Fear. Matthew, we're at this topic now, Islam and Christianity in America. Uh, What are you writing on that topic? Well, on that topic, I explore sort of the history of Muslims moving to the United States. Um, They've actually been here uh, in North America for 200 years, but uh, their immigration has really stepped up over the last 30 years um, from a variety of uh, wars and refugee situations, but also um, economic immigration. So I'm actually from Seattle. We have you know, thousands of Muslims moving to Seattle uh, originally to work at Microsoft and Expedia and Amazon, and many of them are highly trained uh, technical workers. Um, So this final section really explores what's happening in the United States and how Christians uh, in the United States are currently responding to Muslims and then how they should. So we explore some of the ways in which um, Christians have been driven by fear uh, more than the gospel uh, when it comes to Muslim immigration, and uh, have taken part in demonizing Muslims um, and protesting the the construction of mosques and things like that. So the exploration here in this section is is saying, what if uh, the Church in America was driven not by fear, but by the gospel and the hospitality of Christ um, towards our Muslim immigrant friends. And it um, explores a number of different organizations that are doing great work in the United States and a number of ways in which Christians can uh, get involved and can be a part of what God's doing here. 
uh, you write about Muslim spaces in America. Uh, what does that mean? Yeah, so there um, I talk about the importance of uh, Muslim community and families. So one of the things that um, sociologists, sociologists and terrorist uh, experts argue is that the most dangerous thing um, in, involved in these kinds of conversations is a lonely Muslim individual. Um, most terrorist um, cells and organizations prey upon uh, young Muslim men who don't have a family, who don't have a mosque, who don't have a local Muslim school or an organization. They're sort of homeless in the West. And when young Muslim men are detached from community, um, that's really when they're dangerous. And so what scholars are arguing is that the best thing that uh, we can do in terms of security is actually protecting the integrity of mosques, uh, Muslim families, Muslim schools and organizations, uh, and allowing Muslims to come together. Now, the hard part about that is that historically in the United States, Americans get very nervous when Muslims come together. <laughs> so they, they will protest the construction of a mosque. Um, they will um, protest a, a school being built, or they will ask the government to uh, monitor Muslim charities, things like that, and sort of put pressure on these Muslim communities. But what we're finding is that those communities are actually really important for um, not only the security and flourishing of Muslims, but they're important for the security of our of our country. And so, in that um, in that specific chapter, I argue that um, Christians should uh, defend the integrity of Muslim families and Muslim schools. Um, not just because it's a smart thing to do, but because um, that is a way to honor and love them, as you know, Jesus has, has commanded us to love them. So, you know, I mean, there are some really fascinating stories about um, mosques coming under attack, um, both in Europe and the United States, and Christians actually circling around a mosque to defend it. Um, or to clean it up after it has had graffiti on it, um, or to actually provide a space for Muslims to meet uh, when a mosque has been burned. And so in that chapter, I really argue that is a, a profound opportunity for Christians um, to demonstrate hospitality by um, allowing for Muslim spaces to emerge. Now, Matthew, I want you to address this final topic. American Evangelicals and Islam, the pluralist option, uh, fill us in. Yeah. So that's sort of the final, that's the final exploration there, and that is really arguing to my fellow evangelicals. Um, I'm an evangelical, more conservative Christian, and um, being a part of that group, um, that group is actually, statistically speaking, the most negative towards Muslim immigration in the United States of any group. 
uh, in the United States. So that final section tries to chart an alternative course for my uh, evangelical brothers and sisters, and it's sort of a summation of the whole book, basically saying there's another way, um, there's another option. We don't, as evangelicals, we don't have to be driven by fear. That Jesus, um, Jesus paints an alternative path, uh, not a path of sort of agreeing with Islam or saying. Um, or romanticizing Islam as if Islam doesn't have any problems, but demonstrating the love of Christ in and through this moment. So that that final chapter really gets into that. And Matthew, then you do an epilogue, the politics of Holy Week. Where does that fit? I know. Well, we have Holy Week. Easter is coming up here. That's right. So um, that final section just sort of ties the whole book together, and it really um, argues that in, in Holy Week, in those final days of Christ's life, um, when Christ is really pushed up against a wall, you know, he is he's in a situation, he asks, he asks God to get out of it. Right? He says, God, take this cup away from me. Um, but God says, no, this is, this, is, you know, this is what you've been placed here for. Um, I think this moment uh, in the United States of Muslim immigration uh, is, is frankly a moment many Christians don't want. <laughs> uh, we don't want this question. We don't want this challenge. Um, but it's one we've been called to. And so that final epilogue really looks at how, um, how Jesus uh, behaved in those final moments when he recognized um, that this was his calling. This was what God called him to do, and this was how he was going to demonstrate the love that God had for the world, the hospitality that God had for the world, uh, despite the pain and suffering that was coming. So the book really closes with looking at Christ as our model, uh, and his final days as our model, of how we demonstrate that love and hospitality in difficult spaces. So that's how I chose to close the book. Matthew, give me 30 seconds in closing on what you you want our listeners to take from our chat. I think what I would say is that the political right and the political left have been giving us a lot of messages about Muslim immigration. And what I would argue is that there is a third way. We don't have to follow um, the voices of high walls on immigration or the voices of open doors on immigration, that in the gospel, in the image of Jesus Christ, we're provided not just an understanding of of walls and of open doors, but he provides us with a table, a table of hospitality. We've got to wrap up right after this <clears throat> on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, it's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Are you still treating unwanted pests in your home with toxic chemicals? 
Being a parent or pet owner, surely that would concern you, yes? Forget about wasting money on those cheap ultrasonic devices that claim to emit sounds, but don't penetrate walls, furniture or other obstacles. Plug-in Pest Free has been the innovator in electromagnetic pest control technology and for decades we've kept pests out of homes and businesses like yours around the world. Plug-in Pest Free works along the wiring of your home or business, pulse modulating the existing electromagnetic field, reaching deep inside the cavities of your walls, cupboards and other inaccessible areas where conventional methods can't reach. Plug-in Pest Free is maintenance-free and environmentally friendly. So plug in a pest free today for long term cost effective electronic pest control at gopestfree.com. That's gopestfree.com. Use promo code PEST20 for 20% off and free shipping. Order yours today at gopestfree.com. Don't spray and regret, plug in and forget. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Thanks for joining us here, folks, on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Josh McDowell, our guest in that first half hour, talking about his new book, Set Free to Choose Right. And then Matthew Kamick at uh, uh, Theological Seminary talked about his book, Christian Hospitality and Muslim Immigration in an Age of Fear. Uh, please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And my most recent book is out. It's called Coach Wooden's Forgotten Teams. A look at the legendary coach John Wooden and his summer camps that he ran for many years and touched thousands of young lives. It's in bookstores now. Amazon.com, always a wonderful way uh, to order books. I uh, hope you have a wonderful day tomorrow in church. And a great week ahead here in Central Florida. Uh, we're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at the same time where faith comes by hearing. 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.